Amen. So this is Redeemed Podcast, episode eight, and today we have our guest, Eddie Sahakian. Eddie, how you doing? Blessed, bro. Happy to be here, man. I've uh, been a fan watching all the episodes, man. It's cool to be actually be on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I noticed you were one of the first to comment, like, on our very first episode. You said Mike Sanchez. That's <laughs> super cool. Dude, it doesn't get no better than that, man. I, I love that one. <laughs> dude. Yeah, uh, I asked you to come on because you've been doing a work out in Texas, uh, Brazos Valley. I, I looked that up. That's somewhere. Is that in between uh, like Antonio and Dallas, if I'm correct? Yeah, so we're kind of like, it's kind of a neat area. We're uh, about 100 miles um, west of Houston, mm-hmm. and we're about 100 miles east of Austin, and we're a couple hundred miles south of Dallas. So we're kind of like in this triangle. Um, San Antonio is not too far if you keep heading west. Um, but yeah, it's, everything's kind of within a pretty reasonable distance. And it sounds like long when you mention like hours, you know, I mean, I think California, I think, you know, traveling short distances, downtown LA could take two hours. Out here, as long as you're not in the big cities, you're just in these nice country drives, man. The scenery is beautiful. It's kind of relaxing. So it's, it's fun to do some driving out in Texas. It's not too bad. That's cool. Eddie, is there, is there like a feeling now that you've been out there for an extended amount of time, is there like a feeling that that, that it, it is the root of who you are? Or do you feel like when you talk to people, you're, you're in essence, in contrast to them, a California guy? No way, man. So when we came out here, we, as much as we can, stripped ourselves of our identity as Californians, and we just embraced being a Texan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only thing that's hard to remove from California is the way I talk. You know, it's always a dead giveaway. You know, I, I, every other word's dude, and they're just like, okay, let's go <laughs> here. And um, funny, it, it is hard to deny in and out, man. Uh, that That is, uh, um, but aside from that, you know, it's like, like we, you pick up the lingo, you know, uh, I, I talk like a Texan, you think like a Texan, and it's just, uh, that's what, I always joke and say, I'm a Texan, and I got the driver's license to prove it. <laughs> That's right. That kind of reminds me of, like, uh, when we're uh, Christians or, or when we're talking to Christians, and they, and they don't necessarily feel like that different, but the fact is the fact, right? Like, it's not just um, how you feel or what the experience looks like, but, but what states your identity actually is, right? Yeah, you know, and, and if, if you really want to reach the people, you got to be like the people. You got to think like them and you got to, you know, j- just be one of them. You can't be like, like, I'm from over here and you're from over there. You know, if God really wants to use you to reach the people. You, you got to be, you got to be one with them. Mm. Is that something you learned or is that something that you've always kind of known? Uh, I mean, it was in my heart, but honestly, I learned. I, I learned that uh, kind of the hard way. Mm. Uh, you know, when we first came out here, we already had some people that were interested in the church. And, um, you know, just trying to do ministry California style, um, didn't translate over here and, uh, just through different circumstances, everyone literally left. So <laughs> it was kind of wow. like a, a redesign. I was like, okay, where am I going wrong? And the Lord really ministered to me and to Sherry and just showed us, you know, we have to be with the people and like leave your California identity behind. Um, something that, that happened that was kind of like, I look back now and I get it was, you know, when I first came out here, we're in a very traditional area um, in in church sense. Uh, We're in Baptist country and people just think differently. 
And so when I first came out here on Sunday mornings, I was doing church service in blue jeans and a t-shirt and chucks, just like how, that's just how we rolled, right? Or, or you know, it, it was just very casual. And this guy came and visited one time and he was dressed to the nines, man. He had a three-piece suit on, he had a hat on, he looked all decked out and ready to go. And, and after service, he came up to me and he said, hey, sir, are you the pastor of this church? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, you dressed like that? from the pulpit and I said uh yeah I don't I don't think God really cares like how I'm dressing and he's like you're the pastor of the church and I said yes sir and he goes and you dress like that and I, I just it was like yeah I mean he just couldn't get over it I remember thinking, it was a hurdle for him yeah it was a hurdle for him I remember thinking what's this dude's trip and then I just realized I'm not in California no more I'm in Texas now and so I was like hey you know what that's fine you know I, I'll just change my st- I don't want the last thing I ever want to do is be a distraction to anybody from hearing the message of the gospel. So I just say, if my dress attire is going to be, you know, a, a stumbling block for somebody, I'll, I'll dress up, you know, we can do that. And so ever since then I have, you know, it's just something I, I just adopted the style and I, I never had anybody complain ever since. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I feel towards the topic of tattoos. I, like, I don't have a problem with it personally, but I already know that if there's people who are going to get stumbled by that, I don't want to do that. I, I'm curious, why did you go to Texas? Like, was that in your heart for a long time? Was it something that just came up? Or what was it like for you? That's an excellent question, Sal. Um, and and uh, the answer, there's, there's no short answer to that. Um, well, that's the why. answer, <laughs> what's that? That's, that's why we're here. <laughs> Uh, I mean, honestly, I could pinpoint when God put it in my heart to go, and that was in 2006. I actually wasn't even going to Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, which, of course, is our, our home church. Uh, I was actually attending a different Calvary Chapel, which is right down the street. It's called Calvary Chapel Pomona Valley, which is a rad church. Uh, and the pastor at the time was just, I mean, a, like a really influential person in my life, and, and he had... Um, signed me up to go to Mexico for a summer and, and didn't really <laughs> when I say sign me up I mean he asked me I told him no and, and he just refused to take that as an answer and um, and I ended up going I was reluctant to go but I thank God to this day that I went because it was on that trip that the Lord called me and uh, and although you know the call was was a bit blurry at first I didn't fully understand what the call was um, I thought the call was to be a missionary. And in a sense, I feel like I am, you know, but I remember just thinking like, I'm going to go, like, I'm, I'm just going to go. And, and so I came back from this trip and, and all my plans changed. I, I was in college at the time and, and uh, not that I would ever advocate anybody to drop out of college. I, I didn't, uh, I actually completed my undergrad and I was working on a double undergrad for, uh, for all the wrong reasons. You know, I remember I had planned, I was like, I'm going to get this double, do, you know, double major and, and I wanted to make video games. And I was like, I want to program video games. And I want to make uh, boatloads of cash. And I want to have a house. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And then I go on this mission trip. And God just just rocked my world, man. And I was like, I don't care about making video games. I don't care about a house. I don't care about any of that stuff. And I was like, I just want to serve the Lord. And so I came back from that trip, kind of, you know, seen the call, but it was a little blurry. And, and the pastor at the time just told me, he said, Eddie, just stay the course. Keep going to school. Keep doing what God called you to do. And he'll show you in the right time what the decision is you need to make. And I was like, all right. And I kind of, you know, followed his advice. And in that time, um, this job opening opened up at Golden Springs. 
wasn't going to church here. I've always had uh, a ton of love and respect for Pastor Raw. I heard him on the radio all the time. And so I was just like, you know, my, my parents were going there and, st and still they do. And um, they told me, they say this, this web developer position opened up at the church. And I was like, nah, you know, I was working for Wells Fargo Bank at the time. And I said, I got my retirement. I got a sweet deal. They were really flexible with my school schedule and I had uh, my benefits and I, had a, I was making a decent wage and I just said I'm not interested in leaving and my mom I remember she told me she said Eddie I've been holding on to this information for a month and she said I kept on telling God Lord if you want my son to apply for this job then then don't let anybody fill that position for this three-week period so three weeks passed and she told me you got a call so I did and you know long story short they ended up hiring me and um, so I, I, I was a part-time employee, and um, six months into it, Pastor Dale calls me in his office, which is usually either good or bad, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, you know, here we go. So I walked in there, and he told me, he said, Eddie, we want to hire you full-time. And I was still taking classes. I was following my, my previous pastor's advice. And I told him, I said, Pastor Dale, I said, but I, I go to school, sir. And I said, and uh, can I, can I continue to take college classes? And he said, I'm not going to tell you no. He said, of course you can take college classes. He said, but if you want to work here full time, you got to make a decision. And my pastor had told me, he said, Eddie, God will show you when you come to that fork in the road, which direction to go in. And again, I'm not advocating drop out of school. I didn't. I, I have a degree, a piece of paper that says I know something about something, mm -hmm. which is debatable. But um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I just sat there and, and he said, why don't you go home and pray about it? And let me know what you think tomorrow. And I told him, I said, I don't need to, sir. I said, I'll, I'll see tomorrow. You know, I'll start full time. I mean, that, that was just a fork in the road. And um, so here I am working full time at the church. And I'm thinking, this is great. Um, and I had always wanted to be a missionary. That, that's what I thought I was going to be. I was going to be a missionary. So all these missionary opportunities start popping up. And I was like, dude, like, Pastor Dale will, will be cool, man. He'll let me take a month off of work, you know, and I'm going to serve, we're serving the same Lord. <laughs> so, so, I <laughs> so I had this opportunity to go to Russia for like three weeks. And I was like, sweet, dude. So I go, hey, Pastor Dale, I said, I got this red opportunity to go to Russia for three weeks. Can I get three weeks off, sir? And he said, hey, he said, well, who's going to fill your position for these next three weeks? Like, we need you here. He said, what's your priority? He said, you know, is your priority to be here? Or to, he said, if you want to go to Russia, he said, go, go. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell you no, but he said, you have to just pray and ask God for a direction. What's your priority? And I was like, oh, I said, well, well this is my priority. He said, okay. He said, so right now I, I can't give you three weeks off. I said, well, when your vacation comes around, you can use your vacation time, you know, but, but, you know, I, I can't just give you three weeks off. And I said, all right. I was kind of bummed. And I thought, man, this, all right. Then I had this opportunity a couple months later to go to Germany. I was like, oh, for two weeks. I was like, oh, can I, I, you know, Pastor Bill, can I go for two weeks? And he tells me the same thing. What's your priority? And I was like, well, this is my priority. And, and I just kind of, I felt like the door kept on closing on me. And then I felt confused again. And this, this is where just the word is just so awesome, man. And so I was reading through uh, the gospel of Mark and I was in chapter five. And where Jesus casts that, that legion of demons out of the demoniac, right? You guys are, are super familiar with that passage. And, and uh, what stuck out to me was that the dude, when, when Jesus does his miracle in his life, you know, and then they ask him, they ask Jesus to leave, right? When, when the swine get, the demons go into swine, they run over the cliff. And the people who find out what's going on, they told Jesus to bounce. You guys remember that? 
Yeah. And so the dude's like, he gets, he's like, I'm, I'm going to leave with Jesus. He goes to get in the boat and Jesus told him, no, you guys remember that? He told me, he said, you stay here and you tell people what, what I've done in your life. And I, and I just realized it's as clear as, as day, like, wow, like I felt like that dude. I was like, man, like Jesus did a miracle in my life. and I, I'll go anywhere. I want to go with him. I wanted to serve him. And I, and I just read that passage and I was like, you know, like, like I'm supposed to stay here in Golden Springs and uh, maybe not forever, but I just knew I was supposed to be there. And I knew God had a plan for me there, and, and he did. And the plan was to, to pour into me. You know, that, that church has the best leadership that I, I've ever been a part of. And, the, I, and I feel so blessed to have been able to be mentored by these guys because they taught me so much, even now as I, I branched out, to follow the example set before us. And so, you know, now here I am at Golden Springs. I'm like, this is my priority. I was obedient to what Pastor Dale had really encouraged me to, to seek out after, and that was to be obedient to where the Lord has me, to, to make that my priority. So, you know, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to be the best web developer for Golden Springs that ever, ever existed, man. And I just poured my heart into it. It, it was very personal. You guys know, but when church is personal, it, it's, uh, you know, you have, you have like, like, not, not pride in a bad way, but like you, you're, you're proud to be part of this work of the Lord, like in, in a, in a humble, like servant way, you know? Right. And so I just started pouring my heart into just serving the Lord. And, and I open up the, the bulletin and there's two ministries. And, and it's funny, I'm, I'm looking at both of your faces right now because the two ministries that I got involved in immediately were the high school ministry where I met you sell pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And then at new thirst where I eventually Mike and I, we did ministry together for, for quite a while. And I, I just dove into those two ministries. Working with Scott was amazing. And then working with Sean at New Thirst was awesome. And little by little, you know, I started giving these opportunities to, to teach. Never never had a desire to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a web guy, you know, and I just served the Lord in that way. But then God started to reveal this different calling, this different gifting. And so I was like, you know, this is crazy, man. And, you know, being, being able to have these opportunities to, to open the word and to teach out of the word and um, again, sitting under the best leadership that, that I believe that there is. And so I was just like, it was awesome. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, I, I could kind of like, you know, teach a study here and there, but I'm the web guy, the tech guy. And, um, and little by little, God just began to, to pull me away from that. Yeah. And, uh, to the point where, where one day, um, the Lord just showed me it's time to go. And that was the crazy, cause that was funny how I felt like Moses, right? Moses was ready to to lead the children of Israel to Egypt one second. And then he, you know, he's running to the, the wilderness the next. And then when God calls me, he says, not me, Lord, right? You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you calling me out, Lord? Like, no, dude, like, this is where the, this is where I'm at. And, but God just put in my heart to go one day. And honestly, I, I kind of, um, I held on to that for, for years. Mm, wow. For like, like, like two years, I didn't say anything to anyone. I didn't tell my wife. And I would just pray and say, Lord, if this is from you, then then intensify this desire to go. And if this is not from you, if this is just me, like having some like, you know, just crazy like Eddie thought, like just, just get rid of it. And the thought never, it never went as it just intensified. It kept on getting like stronger, stronger, like you gotta go, you gotta go. And so then I, I, I talked to Sherry and I was like, This is this is it. I said, She, you know. Our family's there, right? We were born and raised in Southern California. There's no way that she, she's not going to want to go. And I, I just told her, I said, hey, I had this crazy idea. Like, what, what would you think about that? And I was open to go international. I said, we'll just go anywhere. And, um, and her response was, let's go. 
And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I said, hey. Whoa. Like, okay, that just got real. Like, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that response. Yeah. And then we started to pray together. And we would sit in front of Google Maps. Like, literally, we'd just open up our browser and just sit in front of Google Maps and just start praying and saying, Lord, we'll go anywhere. You know, I've always had a heart for Mexico and the mission field there. And there, there's an awesome pastor and his wife, Pastor Victor, and his wife, Sonia, are just dear friends of mine. I was like, man, maybe we'll go serve in the mission field with Victor and Sonia. Um, you know, or maybe we'll just go do some, whatever the Lord had in store for us. And, and I, I can't tell you, you know, to answer your question, Solomon, how, how was it Texas? Um, I, I, just, I just kind of knew my heart. I mean, there's a couple places we prayerfully explored first. I think the very first place I explored was Utah. And I was just like, man, like, that'd be crazy to go to Utah, LDS country, man. And right. I was just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> <Some of> the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, man. Utah, Wyoming, those were like some of the first states we just started praying. And I, I just, I just, in my heart, I was like, Lord, if you want us to go there, like, you know, just give us a burden for that, those people. And we would look up stuff online. And I was just like, no, you know, I checked out the East Coast, looked at Rhode Island, you know, I looked at, New Jersey, Connecticut, we looked at some countries on our states in the East Coast. And, and then Texas was always at the top of my list. I'd never been, I'd been there once for a, a seminar, for like a software seminar. And I, I can't say I ever saw it. I mean, I spent the whole time I was there in, in like a conference room. And uh, so I, I never saw Texas, but it was just in my, in my mind, like in my heart. And we just started praying about it. And, and <laughs> it was just wild. Every conversation Sharon I had with with people, Texas would just kind of pop up, and I was like, "That was like weird." Like I just started like noticing like Texas here, you know. So, and, and I was like, "This is." Where I started reading a book, and I was like, "Hey, this is good." Now I was like, "Who's this author? Where's he from?" He's from Texas. And that's kind of crazy. And then um, Sherry has a cousin who lived in Southern California, and uh, they lived in Texas at different times, and so they called up Sherry, and they were just like, "Hey, like." We want you to know we're, we're moving to Texas. And I was like, what? Like, this is like just wild. And so we just sort of really exploring that. And, um, and Texas is huge. It's a gigantic state. So it was like, well, we're in Texas. And we kind of felt like the Lord was kind of prompting us to go to Texas. And, and then that, that, you know, there's a whole lot, you know, that, that I'm, you know, a lot more details that, you know, went on as far as like eventually tying Pastor Raw and, and just having his support behind us 100%. And, and his advice was, Hey, Nehemiah, when he went back to rebuild the walls and the gates, he said he went out at nighttime and just spied out the land. And he told me, he said, you got to go. Like, like, you know, he said, if, if you want to be certain that you're going where God wants you to go, you got to go. You got to see the people. You got to see the land. You know, you got to see what God has for you out there. And so I just, I, I don't know why I was always drawn to Houston. Yeah. And, and I had no intention of coming out here. Um, primarily because I, when I looked on calvarychapel.com, there's already a Calvary Chapel affiliate here in town. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they don't need another Calvary. Texas is a giant state, and there's plenty of, of other places where I can go to. And so I looked at Houston, which is a huge city, and I thought, man, it felt like a natural trans transition from, from Los Angeles County to you know, Harris County, which is you know, the Houston area. And I was like, dude, it just felt like it would be a natural move. So we went there and I, I talked to Calvary Houston and that's like our regional pastor out here with the CCA. And he was like, check out these areas. And we went and it was, it was cool. And, and then um, Sherry's cousin moved out here and she said, hey, come stay with us. And they live here in town. And, uh, and the Lord just stirred my heart, man. 
and uh, we made two trips to come out here before we made the, the, the move, and, and the rest is history, man. Wow. You know, Eddie, there's some questions that really come to mind as you're sharing the story. Um, and one, one of the things that, that, that stands out, and I'm certain it does to, to whoever's going to listen to this, and that is the guy that you were when you were asking God to let you be a missionary is not the guy you became when God trained you to become a pastor, right? And so here you have unanswered prayers or what seem to be unanswered prayers, but a man who is not quite yet who he should be. And, and hearing your story, I can't help but to see how clearly that message needs to be um, delivered to so many young guys who are praying so hard for God to open a door and maybe some even growing weary that God hasn't opened a door for something specific that they're praying for. And in your case, you went from being a missionary, which in some cases you still are, as you mentioned, but what wasn't available to you in your mind at the time was how clearly you were a pastor. And so hearing your story, I'm blown away that the goodness of God, it is his goodness that he didn't answer your initial prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, and you didn't get that favor that you might have liked to have gotten with Pastor Dale to be in these mission trips. And, um, and so that stands out to me in your story. Another thing that stands out to me amazingly in your story is, you know, I know you very well. And, and I know your loyalty when you were talking about being um, wholehearted into something. If there's anybody that comes to mind as a person who is genuinely wholeheartedly supportive of their pastor and of Calvary Chapel. It's you, man. I, I knew that about you. And I knew that whenever there was any kind of opposition or seeming to be anything that wasn't in line with the work that God was doing there, you were very clear as to where your loyalty stood. But there's only one loyalty that seems to supersede that and not clash with it, but supersede it. And that is uh, in your story is your loyalty to the Lord as you attempted to bring things that you learned or things that you knew um, that were comfortable to you or, 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 you know, cultural to you. And then you went and, and it was the superior voice of the Lord that has allowed you to make these changes. I mean, one of the clear things that stands out in your story is, is the idea of like, Hey, I, I can't go here because there's already a church there. Right. And, uh, and, and your heart is about that. And your story is about how you were like, Nope, well, I'm not going to do that. But the voice of the Lord was so clear in that this is where he was bringing you. And, and again, the, the, if you don't mind, I'd like you to talk a little bit about, you know, this, the, the superiority of, of Christ in our lives when it comes to our church culture or, or the way that we relate to our ideas that we have in our head as to what church is supposed to look like and how important it is for Christians to sort of have Christ really elevated in, in their perspective. Yeah. Maybe to piggyback too off of uh, Mike's kind of question, because I, I feel where he's kind of going with this. Uh, what were some of the changes that you have experienced just from leaving California? I know you talked a little bit about that and now going to Texas and making, allowing God to change you rather than you changing yourself or staying the way you were, well, kind of piggybacking off of this question too. Yeah, I mean, those are both awesome questions. I want to say something real quick to what Mike was saying a second ago. You know, you're talking about maybe guys who might feel frustrated at being 
you know, knowing that God's calling them, but, but not um, having that, that call maybe immediately revealed to them or the direction. Um, and I'll tell you that, that, that the, when I look back at those years that I was waiting um, and just, just serving the Lord, um, God was doing something in, in me then, and he continues to do something to me now this work that he's doing to me and what that work, the, the greatest thing the Lord has taught me after being here for almost five years. And it's funny, this sounds so simple because we see it week in and week out again in, in our church is humility. Mm-hmm. It is, is the, the genuine need for humility and those who want to serve the Lord. And, uh, and I really feel like, like if you look at the life of Moses, you know, Stephen says in Acts chapter seven, that, that Moses just supposed that everyone knew that he was going to be the leader because he was so gifted, right? I mean, he had the, the, the uh, education from the Egyptians. He got raised in, in the, the palace of the Pharaoh. You know, he had, he had everything. He just seemed like that'd be the guy. And so he just assumed, hey, everyone else is going to recognize that too. And then he ends up killing that Egyptian taskmaster. And then it, when he sees a squabble amongst his own people, they say, hey, who, who made you leader over us? Are you going to kill us? Like you killed the Egyptian yesterday and he runs to, you know, the wilderness of, of Midian. And for 40 years, he's, he's humble. He's a shepherd, right? He becomes, he goes from being a somebody to being a nobody. And then after 40 years of just being humble, then God calls him. And, and, God, and then he's now, he's now he's usable by God. You know, when we're prideful in, in, in what we think that we can offer to the Lord, he, he won't use us. And so sometimes there's a time, a process of, of stripping down. And, uh, and, and certainly when I've come out here, God, God has, has stripped me down tremendously. And, uh, and I, I feel like I, that God's really taught me humility, you know, through, through being broken. I mean, that's the only way you can really be taught to be humble. You can't read a book on it, you know, and you could observe it. But to actually follow that and to, to obey that, it, it comes at, at, a, at a breaking and man, God, God's broken me, you know, having, there's been days for church service where I'd show up and, and nobody was there, literally, like nobody was there, you know, Chachi and Angelica were here and they were a huge blessing to us, they were here for a year, and Chachi made it clear from the get-go, he told me, he said, Eddie, I'm, I'm here short term, he, he never had, he, he never, he was very upfront with me, he never told me I'm going to be here for, you know, he just said, I'm, I'm going to be here and when the Lord tells me to go home, I'm going to go home. And unfortunately, it was, you know, he, he didn't tell me how short or how long. And, and he was just being sensitive to the Lord. And it was a year. And so when Chachi left, I was just like, oh, man, there, there goes my, my right-hand dude. And, and after Chachi left, and there's plenty of, of, of services where it was just Chachi and Helica. You know, I just become a dad. And, uh, and, and that was, you know, <laughs> there's a challenge in there, man, just figuring out how to be a dad and, and not having family around to babysit. I mean, it was, there's just a lot of of just humbling it. I would just sit there and I'm like, what am I doing here? There's nobody here. I can go back in California and I can go to a place where people love me and they support me and they care about me. And here I am in this state where I don't have any family really. Nobody knows who I am. They don't care who I am. And I, and I was just like, like, what am I doing here? And, uh, and the Lord just showed me, it's like, like he's breaking me. Because if, I, if I'll be totally honest with you guys, um, I, I, I knew all the right things to say, hey, this is the work of the Lord and the Lord is going to bless the church. But, but in the back, if I'm be really honest with you guys, in the back of my mind, I was, I was like, you know, this church is going to blow up, man. 
that we're going to come out here to Texas and they're going to be like, man, we've never heard Bible teaching like that before. And people are going to come from hundreds of miles away and this church is going to blow up. And when that didn't happen, oh man, I, I was just sitting there like, like, oh, okay. Like what, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing all the things that I did in California. I'm, I'm doing that here and it's just not working. And the Lord just showed me that you're not in California and it's not about me. And, and, and it, I could genuinely say now, guys, it's not about the number of people that come to the church. For, for a good year, almost a solid year, our church was literally one dude. Because one dude, he was a 64-year-old man, Mr. Willie Summerall. He was a dear friend of mine. And this guy, Achachi and Angelica, it was right towards the end when, when, they were, when the Lord was calling him out. Uh, it was a Sunday morning, and, uh, and I looked through – we used to rent a little storefront. That was our first church. And so it was Chachi and Helica. My parents were visiting. So it felt like there's, I was like, there's, felt like there's people in this room. And I look over and see this little old man. And I see him with his little face pressed up. And I was like, yeah, there, there's, there's someone looking at the window. And, and he comes in and he sits down. And, and uh, there, there's there, the chair closest to the door he, he sat in. I'm, I'm assuming he did that to make a fast breakaway if he needed to. Uh, <laughs> and so he, he just sat in his chair. And uh, that morning I was teaching on Luke 15, the prodigal son. And afterwards we were talking and, and he was just crying. We had, we had a moment of just conversation. And, and since that day, Willie never left the church wow. until the Lord called him home. On, uh, on Monday, May 21st, 2018, the Lord called him home yeah, uh, uh, just suddenly. But um, wow. And that, I, I remember, huh? what's that, brother? I said that must have been tough in the South, huh? It, it was, man. I mean, it, it, was, it was hard. But, but, it, um, but through this one, I remember sitting there thinking, like, like Lord, um, I'm, I'm coming from Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs, man. I got one guy. And I, and I would just sit there and I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself. I, mean, I, work, I work a 40 hour week job, guys. I mean, I, I'm, 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 you know, I was like, it's hard. I'm trying to find time to study. I'm trying to find time to be a dad. And, and the Lord just showed me, he said, Eddie, there, there's one guy. Love, love him, right? Feed the sheep, tend the sheep. And I was just like, man, and God just, just broke me. And I used to just love our, our, we would just turn our chairs and face one another. It was awesome. And Willie grew up, his, his, I think his grandfather or his dad, I can't remember, was a Baptist pastor. Mm. And I'll tell you that this guy knew the Bible, but it was interesting when, when you would just teach the word and just like how Mike goes, hmm. I would teach and he go, hmm. So <laughs> I'll say, say, what, Willie? And he's like, I, I never heard that before. And I was like, oh, cool, man. You know, and and uh, so the Lord used this guy, my friend, Willie Summerall, to teach me some of the best lessons in ministry that you can never learn in a seminary. You can't read it in a book. You know, God just has to just take you, man, to that foreign land, just like he took Abraham and, and just teach you to walk by faith, man, just to take the training wheels off and just, just go, man, jump in the deep end and, and let the Lord do the work. And so... You know, the, the, the superiority of Christ, Mike, to answer your question was, that was it. It was like, you know, I need to step out of the way. It has nothing to do with me. Um, it has nothing to do with my, my gift or my ability or my looks or my this. or None of that matters. 
and and that that's become you know that that, that that's become very popular in a lot of churches. A lot of the young guys, right? You got to dress a certain way, and you got to talk a certain way, and look a certain way. And it's just like no, no, like like dude, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. And so that that like completely just changed me from the inside out. And um and and, and the Lord used him to use my friend Willie to to teach me that lesson, and then the Lord took him home. Wow. And uh, and so that, that was probably one of the most amazing lessons in ministry that I learned. Did you ever doubt yourself? I, I did. I did, man. Um, and uh, there, it was right, right about this time. You know, again, it's like when you have people that, that, that just start leaving, uh, <laughs> you, know, you start asking, like, like why? Like, like what am I doing wrong? And, um, and yeah, you know, for, for a split second, I thought maybe I made a mistake. You know, this area is such a contrast to Southern California. You know, they, they have like a, a downtown area, downtown Bryan, uh, um, every, the first Friday of every month, they have an event called First Friday. And so I was like, cool, man, like part of like being in the community was being a part of the community. And so I, I reached out to the organizers and I said, hey, we're a new church in town. Can we like have a table set up and like just kind of meet people? And they said, yeah, but just don't like, you know, don't be like chasing people down and up. And if they come up to you, they want to talk to you. Like, that's one thing, but like, just be cool. And I said, yeah, all right, man. Yeah, of course we will. So I go out there and I'm all excited. Um, we'd been there for maybe um, a, a couple months when we started going out there and I started talking to people and I'm like, yeah, hey, we're, we're a new church. Tell you guys, you got to come check us out. Well, I'm already a Christian. I already go to church. I was like, oh, hey, praise God, man. I'm like, right on you know and then i start talking to someone else hey i'm already christian hey praise the lord like you're christian too like what are the chances man you know i'm talking to everybody and everybody's a christian i'm like man and i just sit there like lord everybody's a christian out here like maybe i'm in the wrong area like (laughs) everyone seems to know you and that's what one of the one of the 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 re-educational moments for me to realize that i'm not in this area where where there's a, a, a vast contrast where where people are in the world and people are just like, this is how I am. And you know, it is what it is. But there, I'd say that the large majority of people in this community have been in some way, shape or form touched by a ministry, whether they had a family member. I mean, it seems like everybody I talked to, they said, my, my granddaddy was a, a Baptist preacher or something. I said, I, I'm like, well, I said, whether they be a, have a family member that was, that was involved in ministry or maybe they grew up in the church or something. And it's a, it's a big challenge to minister to people who, who, proclaim to have a relationship with Christ, but their life clearly shows otherwise. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. I'm, I'm tripping out on, on listening to you talk about it. Um, because what immediately comes to mind is like, there's some go-to hat tricks when talking to non-believers. It's like, Hey dude, we, I could spend, you know, there, there, there's a dozen things you have up your sleeve for, for ministering a person who knows nothing about Jesus. But here you are, a guy who from California, who probably is saturated in, in in abilities to minister to non-believers, and now God takes you to a place where where you gotta take people deeper um, because they know that basic thing, and yet there's there's a way that they don't know Christ that God brought you specifically to help them get to this place. Is that 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 must be in itself intimidating initially, right? Or or I mean, I don't know if it now. Absolutely, because you're like, like how, how do you, when you ask somebody, you know, do you know the Lord? They say, yes. How do you tell them, no, you don't, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it, it's, it's through um, 
it's through relational evangelism. Mm. You know, uh, it, it's through building relationships with people and getting to know them and let, let them get to know you and, and just kind of having these conversations. There, there's guys out here that I've literally been working on since the day I got here. Mm. There's one guy in particular, two times already. We've had super, I mean, we've cried together. Mm. And, uh, and uh, there's been uh, two moments where he was like, I want to receive the Lord. And I was like, right on, man. And we, we said the prayer, but there's no fruit. And as quickly as, as, I mean, it's like the parable of the sower. As quickly as that word takes shallow root, the sun comes up and just scorches it and, and he just disappears. And this dude, I mean, I, for, for a good, I mean, I've been here for almost five years in November, every five years for uh, the majority of the time that I've been here, that, that guy's been somebody I've constantly been praying for, actively pursuing and just working with him. And, and, and he's one of those guys where I'll, I'll tell him, hey, bro, like, the Lord loves you, man. He says, I know he loves me. And I'm like, you know, I know you know he loves you. But, like, knowing and receiving, the, those are two different things, man. And, and we've just had some meaningful conversations about that. But it just, it's just, just being faithful, loving people, and, and just letting the Holy Spirit just do the work in people's lives. And I, I know that I know that guy knows. And I know he knows he's fighting and he's running from it. And so in the Lord's time, you know, that those seeds that have been planted will take root and, and spring forth and, and bring forth that fruit that we've, you know, so patiently been waiting for, you know, but that, that that's just, it is, is patience. Those are the two things, patience and humility are what the Lord's teaching me. You know, we, we want instant, you know, you, you plant the seed, you pour a little bit of water and, and we want to see the, the, the harvest immediately, but, but it just takes time. You know, it, it takes time and, and just being faithful. And, and yeah, so, I mean, yeah, those moments where you, where you doubt yourself and, and, uh, and the Lord just has a way of just encouraging you. Uh, I'll, I'll share something that amazed me with you guys that, um, you know, we, we moved to this, this bigger church place and bigger church place means more money. And so I was like, okay, like this is a step of faith. And so we, we, we get into this new church building. And at the time there was only a handful of people that were coming to the church Literally, there's probably like maybe like five or six people that were coming, adults. And I was like, Dude, what am I doing, man? Like, you know, we, we had this lease for three years now. And and uh, we had sort of buying equipment. You know, we bought speakers and TV. We kind of wanted to like, like step up our game a little bit. And I was running cables. There's no guys. It was, it was all women. You know, Mr. Willie had already gone to be with the Lord. And so it was, it was just all women. And I was like, what am I, what am I doing here? And I, I, I was running cables. And, and uh, I, I went underneath the stage and I was trying to pull some cables through that. I got stuck. I got stuck under the stage. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and I was, all, I was all by myself. And I was like, I'm going to die in here, dude. And like, nobody's going to know where to find me. You know? And I'm just like stuck like, like under the stage for like a good 20 minutes. I literally couldn't move. I mean, I, I was like, I jammed myself in this corner and I just couldn't move. And and I was freaking out because I, I hate spiders. I was like, there's spider webs everywhere. Oh, dark. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's when you start praying, right? Unbelievable. So I'm just like sitting there like, like, really, Lord? Like, you know, what is going on here? And I remember just the Lord just really encouraged me as I was stuck right there just, just to be faithful, man, and just to just trust him. And I was just like, all right, Lord, like, I'll, I'll be faithful, man. And I, I kind of eventually get myself out front of the stage. And, and the most amazing thing happened, that, that was on a Saturday. The next day, um, this, this family shows up to the church. 
And this is something that's just kind of rad about, about being a part of a small church is when someone new shows up, it's like, like you're, you're, you know, you're leaping for joy. There's a new person here. And so this new family shows up. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, you know, hey, welcome, guys. And, and they say, hey, we, we were driving down the, the street. And we saw your sign. And I was like, yeah. And they said, we saw Calvary Chapel. They said, are you a Calvary Chapel? Like, like Pastor Chuck Smith Calvary Chapel? And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we are. I was like, you guys know my Pastor Chuck? And, and this gal, she's like, yeah. She said, I grew up in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. She's like, well, she's been here in Texas for almost 30 years now. She met her husband here. They have, you know, two adult children, two adult sons. And she's like, but I've always, we've been looking for a Calvary Chapel. And I was like, oh, wow. I said, hey, when you were going to Calvary in California, which one did you go to? And she's like, you probably never heard of it. She's like, but it's called Calvary Chapel West Covina. And I'll, yeah, dude. I was like, get out of here. And she's like, yeah, Pastor Wall Reese. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, you know what? I said, oh, I, oh it's so I said, good. I told her, so that's my pastor. And she's like, what? And I said, Pastor Raul Reese is our sending pastor. And her jaw was uh, probably on the floor just as low as mine was. I, I was just in shock. And I was like, man, this is the Lord. And she tells me, I, I told her, I said, man, we've been praying for God to bring you guys. And she said, no, Eddie, we've been praying for God to bring you guys. And I just sat there and I was like, wow, man, this, this, is, this is the Lord, you know, and, and God, little by little, God began to just show me more and more like, like I'm right where he wants me to be and I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do. And so, yeah, you, you have those moments of doubt, Sal, but God always just is so faithful and he seems to just sweep that doubt away and just kind of give you the confirmation that you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. Yeah, one of those doubtful experiences I've had was there was this kid I remember in the high school ministry, so I'm a really close friend of mine now, and he he was the Christian yo-yo. He would be right on with the Lord, serving, giving devos, and then he'd go off the world for it seemed like months on end, and then he'd come back and be fully involved in ministry and go. And it was like back and forth, so much so that people I could see they started to treat him as an outcast. They started to treat him as though he was like a lost cause. And I would pray for him because I just had this heart for this kid. And he reminded me a lot of myself. And after so many years, uh, like almost a, close to a decade, God finally allowed him to, to get just completely broken. He went out to the mission field, was out there for a long season. And when he came back, we were kind of like, okay, well, let's watch and see. And he has been still, God has been keeping him. And those to me are those stories where it's like, when I hear people kind of saying like someone's a lost cause, I remember like I was that lost cause. I was that person like where I, I know that people were still praying for me, even though I might've seen that cause. So that's, I think that gives us a lot of hope. And I think that right now people need that right now. You said you've been out there for five years and I'm curious. As you come all this way now, when March hit, how much did it, uh, were, were you at all kind of worried once COVID kind of started to take effect? Um, has it changed, gosh, the way you now are doing ministry today? Like what's going on in regards to, to COVID? Yeah, man. Um, you know, when it, when it first started kind of catching traction in the news, you know, I, I felt like I treated it like, every other virus that we've heard of in years past, I just kind of brushed it off as, 
you know, that, that's not my problem. You know, we, we've had H1N1, we've had SARS, we've had, um, you know, all, whatever all the other ones I can't remember. There's so many of them. Yeah. I can't think of them. So when I heard about this, I was like, yeah, like whatever, like that, that, that ain't no big deal. And I remember hearing about, okay, now it's, it's in, it's spread from Asia. Now it's over in Europe. All right. That's a European problem now, you know, and it's out in the U S it's in Washington state. Well, that's their fault. That's their problem. Not mine, you know, and it just came getting closer and closer and closer. I remember like, like uh, the, the Sunday before we closed our doors, I was like, Hey, like we're going to keep having church service and we're going to do it as long as we can and we'll be safe and it's going to be fine. And then, and the, the, to me, the biggest um, challenge was just not knowing, you know, I'll, like when, once I started looking at the new stuff, I, I kind of was brushing it off. And then I really started looking into it and I was like, whoa, like, wait a second. And there's a lot of people at our church that fall into the category of, you know, uh, high risk because of health issues. And I started thinking like, wait a second, like, okay, you know, I, I need to look out for everyone's well-being. And so I, I just kind of started really praying about it. And then I started looking at some of the other churches to see what they're doing. And when I saw Pastor Rawl make the decision to, to close yeah. church service, I was like, what? Yeah. Like, like what is, and I, I really started looking into it and I was like, whoa, like, I, I mean, Pastor Rawl got in a motorcycle accident. I remember, you guys remember that he laid his bike down and was, had his leg and his arm all ripped up. And this dude was preaching the, the next you know, service. And I was just like, nothing keeps that guy from the pulpit. So when, when that happened, I was like, wait a second, like there's something maybe here more than what I know. And then the president, you know, started making, you know, the, those uh, requirements to kind of like reduce the amount of people that were gathering. And I just, I was just out of a, a heart of concern and safety. I was like, you know, we're just going to stop meeting in person. And so um, we, we started, uh, you know, just streaming service live, you know, like, <laughs> Like, yeah, you guys, like you've been doing sale, you know, you just do it from, you know, from your home and, yeah. and just, just let technology, you know, be the vehicle to get the gospel out. But you know, it's kind of weird because um, for a split second, I, I was scared. I remember like, like uh, the, the, at my work, they said, I mean, I just this week have gone back to work for, for the first time in four months. Wow. I've been working from home the whole time and um, so I'm working from home and then I was going to the grocery store and I, I remember I bought like you know $600 worth of groceries and we had to go to the you know grocery store for like almost three weeks and and then I, I go on and like you know Sherry's like wear a mask and I was like I don't want a mask and she's like just wear a mask and I was like all right so I wear a mask and now, now I'm looking around I'm like hey like that guy just coughed Is that, that guy you know like, yeah, okay, got it yeah. so I started having this like fear in my heart and I was like, what is going on here? You know, what I, what I kind of compare it to is I used to watch that show 24. You guys ever watch that show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd binge watch it. You know, you watch like, like, like a whole season. I remember driving my car, like driving, like, like looking around, like where are those terrorists at? You, like, you know, almost like, you know, kind of like makes you scared just for a second. You go, oh, wait a second. It's a show. And I, I felt like I was like looking around, like, like, Oh, who, who's out? There's looters out there and people are trying to like, you know, steal my groceries or something, you know, my toilet paper. I got, I got like a big old thing of toilet paper, something that toilet paper jacked me or something, you know? And, and I remember having this fear in my heart and I was like, wait a second, like, this isn't from the Lord. Like this fear, you know, 
yes, we need to be wise. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying throw a caution to the wind. Like, we need to be wise, but, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let fear, you know, creep into my heart, creep into my family. And so the governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, um, in, in May had declared that churches were essential services and we could reopen. Mm-hmm. And, and the first time that, that he gave us a green light, I was like, dude, we're doing it. And, and, uh, and I, and, and I looked back and I was like, you know, uh, there was a time where I had, really had no say in it. You know, they, they, all the churches had to close their doors until the governor, then eventually the president, he made that, that same statement for, for all 50 States for, for those governors that were wow. still not how the governor did that before the president because over here it was not like that the governor and mayor over here seem to be like kind of behind or against what, whatever the president's saying for the most part yeah no, I mean, I'll, I'll, i've been keeping close tabs on uh, what's happening out there too mm-hmm. um and so so we you know we've been meeting for church service and you know i, I wanted to create a, a uh, pressure-free environment because there's some people that that to this day haven't come back to church service. I, we, I still talk to them and we, we talk over the phone and stuff and, and just to you know, let them know that we still care about them. We love them. And they just told me, Hey, like we're coming back. Like when we feel that the, the safety, and I'm like, that's hey, cool. Watch online. You know, that, that's rad. You know, that's, that's where we do it. And there's some people that come to church and they want to wear a mask and that's cool too. It's, it's like, want to wear a mask, wear a mask. That's cool. And no one's going to judge you. I mean, you guys have probably seen it. We've seen both sides of the spectrum, right? There's some people that, that, that think wearing a mask is a lack of faith and you're not trusting in the Lord. And, and there's other people that say, you're not wearing a mask. You know, you don't care about other people and their health and their well-being. I'm like, dude, you're not going to get any of that from, from us. You know, you do what, what God calls you to do. And if you feel comfortable wearing it, wear it. If you feel cool not wearing it, don't wear it. That's you know, all good, man. Yep. But, um, you know, so we, we, we actually, our state was one of the first, along with Florida and I, I'm not sure who else, uh, to start reopening. And, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe some people weren't taking it as seriously as they should. And we've had a pretty big wave of, of, uh, of COVID cases popping up in the past month um, that, and that have really kind of caused people to, to reconsider the way that they were, they're just like, hey, we're reopened again. Like this thing's not, a, not an issue no more. Everybody's kind of going through their, their regular life like, like it wasn't an issue. And, and, uh, and even now, I mean, the cases are still – you know, they're, they're pretty high in our area. Right. Right. So are you guys open right now or, or no? We are. Uh, and, and I'll say this, um, I, uh, I'll probably never close those church doors again. Um, if I, if I, if I could have had a say, uh, when we did, I, I probably, if I look back now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. Um, I like that. because it, because it really affected some people. Um, and also, you know, hey, like, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving the messages from home, and but you, you know, you guys know, like, like watching a message online, not the same. It's, it's just not the same, man. Yeah. And um, and so I just kind of learned that lesson, and I was like, you know, I, I, I'll, I'd be hard pressed, you know, to to close those church doors ever again. You know, Eddie, I, I like, I like what you said, um, but not necessarily just because of what side you're on on that. But because one of the heavy convictions that's been in my heart concerning that topic, because for whatever reason, people have asked me a bunch of times, and that is the responsibility of a pastor to the people that God's entrusted to him. One of the things we started to face um, early when all this was going down was people sort of cornering me to choose one side or the other. Like, it's not 
uh, faith to close the doors, or um, it's not, it's selfish to force doors to stay open and not look out for other people. And sort of, I saw these two thoughts kind of start to put a war with each other. And, and, and the Lord had really spoke to me clearly about, you know, I've called men to be shepherds over flocks. And I will speak to them about what they're to do. And, and immediately I, I just became supportive of, a pa of pastors who I believe heard from God. Mm. And I knew some pastors who had older congregations who were at risk and made the decision to close doors. And I knew some pastors that were very like, dude, the Lord was clear to me and, and I'm going to stay open as long as they could. Right. Un until it became sort of like a legal issue or whatever. And even to that extent, like, you know, they went as far as they possibly could. But, but I like hearing what you said about you probably not doing it again, because there's one thing that's really stood out to me in this time. And that is there's something amazing about the living God being in the presence of the people that he brought and anointing the person that's speaking to those people and the spirit being in that place and touching those people. Now we, you and I both know, cause I know you're a fan of books and solid pastors and teachers that, that, you know, have passed away or whatever. And so I'm not seeing that there is this amazing work that can be done via writing book, uh, internet. I mean, there's been sermons I've heard on that were, pastors old sermons that God used to minister to me, right, in an amazing way. But there is something, there's something about a man anointed for the people that God is bringing and the way that that impacts people um, that just can't be uh, mimicked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I agree 100%, Mikey. There were... I think every every shepherd needs to make the call for, for the flock that God has called him to be the shepherd to. Um, what, what a big turning point for me was, was during this whole situation when we were closed, um, I mean, I was working from home. And so like I, at five o'clock, I was like, man, you know, now I'm looking around the house and try to do some yard work. I'm going to run a Lowe's. And I run a Lowe's real fast. And Lowe's was just packed. And then I go to Walmart to get some groceries. Walmart's packed. And I was like, wait a second. Like, hey, if everybody can flock to Walmart and to Lowe's and to the wow. grocery store, wow. then you know what? Then we're going to go back to church. Yeah, I like that. And that, that to me, that was a big turning point. And, uh, and but then there's some people, like, like you said, Micah, that were just like, hey, you know, it was even here in Texas when they gave the, uh, the opportunity to reopen. They, they had a big CCA call, and, and uh, the pastor in Houston, he oversees his name, Ron Hint. The guy's a rad dude. Everyone here's some, the guy's a crazy good Bible teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, um, he oversees Texas and Oklahoma. And so he, he has scheduled a meeting with all the pastors, and he basically wanted everybody to say, um, let, just let them know, like, hey, like, if, are you opening? And uh, if so, you know, how, how, like, how are you going to handle stuff? And not, not like to tell them what to do, but you know how to pray for them. And uh, I unfortunately missed the call. I had a work call scheduled at the same time. But um, you know, my, one of my buddies was on the call, and I called him, and we talked afterwards. And, and he said some guys decided to open right away, like, like we did. He said some guys wanted to wait. Um, and he said some guys you know, just kind of wanted to wait longer than other guys. And, and so but there, there was no right or wrong answer. It was just like however the Lord had, had pressed their heart, 
what direction to go and to, to just go. And, uh, and so I thought that was – the guy um, the guy that passed was uh, the Calvary here in town, he's a good friend of mine. And he told me, so I'm going to hang tight for two more weeks. He said, I, I want to kind of see. And I was like, yeah. And that's that's kind of the neat thing about having a small church was they talk about social distancing. I was like, well, that's not, that's not too hard to do. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, some churches that, that are, are big, they obviously had, had much more – many more challenges to overcome than what we did you know we could just practice social distancing space out the chairs a little bit you know we took away you know um we have like a coffee urn like that like they like the big ones that they they, they pull out of golden spring for the events and we got one of those yeah, like, so, yeah so we put that thing away because i was like okay like i don't i do try to remove like uh places where people like to hang out at yeah. touch a lot yeah yeah so we just kind of put that away for now and one of the gals from church makes like these little bomb breakfast quiches every you know Sunday and puts out fruit and everything. We stopped doing that. And it was just like, you know, we, we try to fellowship outside after church. We'll go outside in the parking lot, just kind of hang out and talk. And so just trying to like, you know, be, be smart about how we're doing things. Um, and so I, I think if we do that, I, I mean, I'm praying constantly every, every week, every, every night I pray with my boys, you know, for God to just protect us because we want to serve him. We want to serve his people. And, uh, and so we just want God's protection. We want God's favor and, and God's guiding and, and directing and, and just to be faithful to what, what he's called us to do. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to hear your conviction too. I don't know if you knew this past week in California, the go, uh, the mayor or, or Newsom, um, yeah. he said that we're not allowed to do worship anymore. We're not allowed to sing. And that was the first time I felt that, me going in front of my congregation, which is really small, was going to tell them to disobey what our government was saying. That was the first time where I felt like this is wrong. Like I, I don't, I don't, I believe that God has given me enough wisdom and conviction just to know that we're at, we're outside, we're wearing masks, we're not spitting on each other when we sing, <laughs> and that right now the church needs to be praying and worshiping the Lord. So that was a, a crazy experience for me this past Sunday was, and it also too kind of actually made the worship, I think just powerful in that sense where I felt like our uh, religious Christian liberty is being persecuted. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now, because of that, that feeling of, and it's, it's a, such a light persecution. I know there's people all over the world who are experiencing way harder things than we are. Even that little bit just kind of gave us a little, I heard people singing louder than normal. And then I was seeing other churches online. I know Calvary Chapel, Chino Hill, they had a whole choir on their stage. I was like, wow, that's like definitely. And I think that as leaders, God's going to tell people sometimes different things. And I, I think when you're following that conviction, it encourages other pastors to, to also follow that conviction. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I heard, yeah, I, I totally agree, you know, Sal, um, you know, when, when you, when you're around people that hear from the Lord and you know, they hear from the Lord, that's just an awesome thing, isn't it, man? You're just like, man, like, I know that dude hears from the Lord. And, um, and that's why I get excited when I, when I hear about churches, not disobeying man, but I hear churches being obedient to God, mm. that kind of stuff. I mean, I just get stoked on that. And I think about Daniel, right? You know, he was told he couldn't pray no more. He said, hey, great. I'm going to pray three times a day like I always do, and nothing's going to stop me from praying. You know, Peter and John were told they couldn't preach the gospel. And Peter said, it's better to obey God rather than man. 
you know, it's like, like there, there comes those lines that, that are drawn in the sand. And we talked about this when, when the churches were closing. You know, I, I felt like, you know, I don't feel like, like the, the line was drawn. I was like, we're still preaching, you know, um, albeit in a, through a different medium, right? It was through an online outlet or some churches were able to do, um, you know, church in their parking lot, which is super cool. Uh, and have like some sort of like FM modulator or something. You could tune into like a radio station and hear from your car or whatever. You know, I saw a lot of, of pastors doing some creative things. So I didn't really feel like, like the gospel was being inhibited during those times. But now when I see this stuff, you know, I, I do. And, and you're right, Sal, I mean, that, that is a, a form of persecution. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot. I've been really considering because, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in that the church, I don't think in the United States of America has ever felt real persecution mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe a, a few you know issues or, or a few incidents that have popped up um here or there but n- nothing no widespread persecution like you see like in other countries even in these days that we live in now but i've been really thinking about this whole singing thing because it was a couple months ago i, I can't remember what state it was and i want to say it was in washington dc which is in a, a, a territory but anyways I, I think it was in dc might have been a Washington State. I can't remember, but but uh, uh, there was a choir practice that they had a 50-person choir, and somebody had shown up to choir practice and they were asymptomatic, and the the report was that that almost every person in the choir uh, contracted COVID-19, and a few of them actually passed away because they were older, and that that, that was a couple. I want to say that was like in May or maybe June. So now we have this this order from California. Hey, you guys can't sing no more. And in a sense, that might seem logical, right? Hey, like, yeah, like, yeah, you're singing, respiratory droplets, you're going out, whatever. Uh, and so then there's churches that say, hey, we don't care. We're, we're going to sing anyways. Uh, I can see how that could really become a, a point of persecution for people where, where there'll be a line drawn in the sand and they're going to say, hey, you know, those guys are, are, are wrong and, and, and really sort of cause a divide between people and the church. And it's something I've been really trying to be mindful of because I feel like, um, the church in general is, is relatively pampered and we're used to things relatively going our way. We've never really been tested. We've never been in that situation where, where we were told, hey, you can't sing no more. We, we've never been there. And, and now we're finding ourselves in a position where it's like, you know, you can't sing. And we've always, we've always, I mean, again, sit on the pastor. We've heard him talk about these things, right? There's been incidences where they say, hey, you can't speak on certain subjects from the pulpit that they were, they were talking. We've never seen anything actually implemented. Right. It's the first time this has actually been something that that's, that's, that's real. Like that, that's really happening. I mean, um, and, and uh, I hope and pray that, that it ends right here. But these are times guys that, that, that we need to not just speak on faith or preach on faith. But these are really days where, where we have to dig deep and we have to live out that faith. Mm-hmm. We have to show people this is what it looks like to be a Christian, just like Daniel. Daniel's like, hey, you know, I, I heard the law. I heard the decree. But I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. He wasn't hiding. Right. He went on his balcony and, and prayed three times a day. The scripture says like he did every day. And he's like, I'm just going to serve the Lord. And I think that, that this is the time for us as a church to be united, to be men of faith and leaders of faith. And let God use us because people are people are scared, guys. I mean, you're not here. People are scared because they, they don't know what's going on. And, and I, I feel like like the, the world is being primed 
for, uh, for prophetic events to take place that we know are coming. Um, people are primed to, to put their trust in someone, in a man. Mm. They say, man, there's this virus that's running rampant, and the economy, and this. Oh, who are we going to trust in? Oh, we're not going to trust in Jesus. Mm. We want to trust in a person, and, and the, the world is getting primed for the Antichrist. Mm. You know, and, and we're, I was having a conversation with my neighbor the other day, because just recently they, they mandated uh, facial coverings and masks here in in our area, and he was like, man, and, and I, we were just talking, and I don't know if we need the Lord or not, and he said, this is, this is a form of control, and I was like, hmm, I said, that's interesting you say that, man, I said, because I could see this being the beginning of a different type of control at a much, much stricter degree, I told him, I said, I don't know if you believe in the Bible, I said, but the Bible says in the tribulation period, the last seven years of world history, and unless you receive the mark of the beast that you can't buy, you can't sell. If I go to Walmart right now and I'm not wearing that cloth facial covering, you ain't going in. They're going to stop you right there. And I told him, I said, dude, this is the beginning of, the, of that control. I can see that. And his eyes got all big. And he's like, man, I've been to church in a minute. I was like, hey, come to the church, bro. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I can, I can see this, guys, right? I mean, it, I'm not saying that we're there, but, but we're getting close. Right, right. We are. That's so true. Imagine if they had a device that could tell you if you had COVID. And then in order to make sure that COVID wasn't spreading, they implemented, well, everybody has to get this device now. That's that my thought process goes there. Sure. Uh, you bring up some a good point just about control that I, I, I kind of wanted to, to as I, one thing I love about you, Eddie, and something that I've noticed just in this conversation, you constantly bring up Bible stories. And I love that. I love to hear <laughs> how embedded the, the Bible is just on, in your heart and in your mind because it applies today. So uh, it's so relative still. And one thing, so I, we're going through the book of Acts right now with Redeemed Church. And we just went through Acts chapter four and I was preparing for it. Uh, I was listening to Chuck Smith teach on Acts chapter four back in the eighties. And I came across this portion of scripture where Peter and John, after they healed the lame man, the, the people are amazed by the miracle that Jesus did through them. And they, Peter begins to preach to the crowd there. And the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they get upset that he's preaching this. So they bring them in for questioning and they threaten them. They say, look, you're no longer going to speak in the name of Jesus. And they harshly threaten them uh, in doing so. And then right after that, they, the, Peter and John, they go back to the rest of their disciples and their church. And it says that they pray. And that's the first thing that they do. And I'm listening to Chuck Smith teach on this. And he began to say how... The disciples, when they came against persecution, they didn't start making signs and going to the front of the temple and start shouting and create this militant group to protest. But the first thing they did was go to prayer. And when I heard that, I was like, dude, Chuck is like teaching what is like so happening in our world today and it, it kind of excited me of like knowing that first of all that we don't have it, it's not meant to kind of put us 
and to the kingdom. It's going to be the spirit leading us there. And what we're seeing is this process of, who knows, maybe the rapture is going to happen really soon. Uh, but maybe, it, maybe not. But I believe that God, regardless, is allowing Christians to, to grow and, and to mature in this time. So for me personally, like, I, I think you're right. I think right now we do need to get back to prayer. And that's kind of one, one reason why I like doing this whole process is when I get to have a conversation with you, a pastor, with my buddy Mike, also a pastor, we are encouraging one another. And it, it does, to me, excite me and get me back to that place of, like, this is, you know, like, we're not doing this just for make a video. <laughs> We're, we want to actually allow the to, to use these to uh, change first of our and allow us to say, like this is stuff that you guys can for us. So, so it's super to be encouraging to hear your thoughts on all these things. Well, something that's been interesting, I was, I was talking about this. I love the book Acts, by the way, Sal. That's Brad, man, here where you're at. Uh, um, something I've been thinking about was these days, you're talking about Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck would have been so excited to be alive in these days that we're living in right now. Mm. You know, I, mean, I, I th there, there's people that, that they're terrified to live in these days right now, but then there's a man of God, a person who, who knows and hears the voice of God and, and he longed to see the things that we're seeing. And I, I just think it's it's a matter of, of where you're at with the Lord. If people don't have Jesus or, you know, I, I feel like, honestly, Sal, I feel like a lot of people in the church, that they're, they're asleep, dude. Yeah. And they're just like, this ain't going to happen to me. This ain't real. You know, overnight, we saw our whole world change, literally overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I remember watching, like, the, like footage of, of news footage of people, like, in Asia, and they're walking around with these masks on. Like, these guys look silly, man. Well, hey, look at where we're at now, you know, like, like yeah. literally overnight, you know. And so I think the church oftentimes is asleep thinking, like, this isn't going to happen. Yeah, the rapture, sure, you know. Um, and maybe they even think we'll never, the church will never endure persecution. We'll be taken before that happens, you know. And I do believe, obviously, in, in, in the removal of the church before the, the tribulation period. But that, you know, I, I agree with you, Sal. The rapture could happen at any point. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I think things are going to get tremendously worse before that, that comes to, to be. And I think the church will be living through those tremendously worse times right up until the, the, the rapture of the church happens. But I think that there will be a time, you know, where, where the church will have to endure persecution and suffering. Um, and, and these are things that, that people get scared. They, hey, they, hey, man, don't, don't be talking like that. I don't want to hear that. Well, neither do I. I. I got three kids and I got a wife. You know, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to see that. You know, in one sense, because it sounds scary, but but God has, has given us his Holy Spirit, and he's called us to be faithful men to the word, to preach the word, not just to talk about this, like, you know, in, in a sense of like, you know, like stories, like this is real. This is real life. Eternity's real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. You know, and the events that are taking place are real, and God's called us right here, you know, you sell to, to pastor Redeemed Church. Mikey and myself to, to be faithful to what God has called us to do for, for, the, for this very time, for this reason. 
And so I think that a lot of people are just gripped by fear or, or maybe just want to bury their heads in the sand and be like, you know, I, I have a friend of mine that he was just like, hey, man, he goes, studying eschatology is, is just a waste of time. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, he's like, I, don't, I don't need to know about that kind of stuff. And I was like, bro, uh, yeah. And he's a Christian dude. He's a great guy. Loves the Lord. But I mean, that's, that's genuinely how he feels about it. And he just thinks, he goes, there's so much people could think one thing, people could think another. How do you know you're right? How do you know you're wrong? And I just said, you know, you got, you got to know. You know. Jesus even told his disciples, they, they wanted to know when he talked about the destruction of the temple. He said, man, not one stone be left on top of another. And they said, when will these things happen? He never answered the question of when that would happen, but he, he rolled into the second coming of Christ, Matthew chapter 24, right? Mm-hmm. And he told me so that, that these are the signs, you know, that, that will happen before that, that that's not the second coming of Christ. Those are the signs of birth pains that, that are coming. And so I think that, that, that we, we would do well to, to hold fast to those scriptures and to know, Hey man, like, you know, one thing we do know for sure guys is that tomorrow we'll be one day closer to meeting Jesus. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not a debatable fact, you know? So, um, right. and, I, you know, I, I think on that subject, because, you know, that there's two schools of thought as to what's going to happen or debates people get in over how it's going to happen. And you have people who overemphasize on no man knows the day, which is what the scripture says. Then you have others that push emphasis on, well, Jesus told us for sure the time, um, you know, you no know, one knows the day or the hour, but look at the times, you know, and, but one of the things that the Lord's really been clear to me is how important it is for men of God and particularly pastors to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and in tune with the word of God. Because then it's not that you're entering into debates to try to prove something that you can figure out intellectually. It's more of an expectation that God is true to his word and true to what he says is going to happen. And, and you know, I'd rather, I know in recent conversations I have with some real solid brothers, I'd rather be a person who's so close with Jesus that I, I'm hearing what he's telling me to do each moment as it goes. You know, in this chapter that we're in or in whatever next, uh, whatever's coming tomorrow or the day after, you know, as opposed to being a person who says, oh, I think I figured it all out, calculated it. So I don't have to worry until this day comes until I see that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, uh, it's easy, Mikey, to to fall into autopilot mode, Uh, even even about things of ministry. You know, there was a short while where, where that happened to me here. Uh, I just got distracted. You know, I, I kind of put the ministry on autopilot. And I think sometimes that's easy to do that. Like, like we know what to do. Like, you can just put it up. Okay, I'm teaching, you know, next week sells me teaching Acts chapter five, you know, or, or whatever. You know, it's like, okay, cool. I, I know what I'm, I'll study it, do my routine. But, but we're not hearing from the spirit, you know. And there was a time where I was on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, you know, really busy at work. And, and God was blessing me at, at my work at the university that I was doing. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, church is coming up, um, you know, autopilot mode. Like I, I, was, I was there, I was doing all the right things, but I, I wasn't just stopping and wanting to just hear from the Lord and just be like, Lord, like, what do you want? I mean, I, I'll, I'll teach the text. I'll, I'll, I'll you, know, um, you know, go go through the scriptures in an expository manner and I'll, I'll, I'll teach verse by verse and chapter by chapter. But but it's like, like you're missing like, like, like the – that the voice of, of the, the Lord to you, it's not that the people are, are missing out necessarily, but, but you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was so focused on, on everything else that, 
that the Lord just convicted me one day. And he said, Eddie, he said, I didn't call you to, you know, my heart. You know, obviously, I'm talking to Audrey, but my heart, I felt like the Lord convicted me. And it was like, I didn't call you to be an employee at the university. I mean, I am, and I, and I feel very blessed and honored to be there. But he called me to come out here to be a pastor of this church. And, and it really challenged me to just be on my face more and to be on my knees in, in prayer and, and just really seeking the Lord. And, and every sermon that's preached to say, Lord, like, like what, do, what do you want me to say? Well, what do you want to teach me first, right? Isn't that the first thing? It's like, what, what do you want to show me? Because, you know, the, the, the worst way to approach the scriptures is to approach the scriptures from the sense of, what do you want to tell the people, Lord? Right? It's like, like Lord, like, what do you, what, what's the message for me that I might in turn convey that message to the people? But, but I, I want to, what's the, what do you want to show me, Lord? And those are some of the most powerful your messages because they're real. You know, so the Lord speaking to, to his vessel and then just relaying the message to the people. But yeah, you're right, Mike. I mean, it's easy. It's easy to get caught up just doing um, ministry, like, like what we know, what the, the right things to do, um, but, but not, not being spirit-led in, in doing those things. Mm. Wow. Hey, Eddie, I, I, I kind of want to ask you one more question. Well, maybe it's a two-part. Uh, looking forward, going ahead, um, What's some like encouragement that you would kind of sh share to people in this season that we're in right now? And I kind of too, uh, I look up to a guy like you because I, I feel like I'm right now in the very birth process of like just starting this church. We started in January. Uh, what what <laughs> would you tell yourself uh, five years ago to the guy? Hey, what's up, buddy? <laughs> This is Liam. What's up, Liam? What would you tell yourself to that guy five years ago who was just starting out and to look forward to if you could see yourself in this season now that I'm in? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, the short answer would be to, to just stay humble. You know, and I, I'll tell you, so, you know, I know, I know what you meant, uh, but but don't look up to me, bro. You're, you're setting your standards way too low, brother. Uh, <laughs> look to the Lord, man. Uh, what, what I would what I would tell that person, Sal, um, is you don't need a piece of paper, man. You know that's one thing the Lord showed me a long time ago was to just serve the Lord. And and uh, Stephen was always uh, Mike. I think I think me and Mike have had this conversation before. Um, when I when I read this the scriptures, I was like, man, Stephen was a guy that, that I, I just wanted to, to, to model myself after. Cause he was not he was he was willing to do anything. If if people needed food passed out, he was like, I'll pass out the food. But this dude was a man of the word because you know when he got tested by by the Pharisees, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was so <laughs> come on, so the Holy Spirit was um, was so powerful in his life that, that even these so-called religious leaders couldn't contend with the wisdom that God had given this man. And um, so I like Stephen because he, 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 and I, I still feel this way. Um, the, the last thing that, that I'm ever concerned with is, is a title. Uh, I, I think people refer to people as pastor out of respect, and I, and I, and I appreciate that I understand that. But um, when, when I introduce myself, I'm just Eddie, you know. I, I don't even introduce myself as as, as pastor. So I'm just I'm just Eddie, man. I'm just 
I'm just, I just want to serve the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. And, um, and I think some people get caught up and like, I need this paper, man. Like I need the confirmation of man. When all we really need is the confirmation from God, we need the ordination of God, not the ordination of man. And so early on in, in, uh, in my experience in ministry, I came to this realization that there's a good possibility that I'll never have this piece of paper. And, and, and I was okay with that. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't need a paper to tell me who I am in Christ. I already know who I am. And, and when Mike and I were doing you third, people would say, hey, Pastor, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, hey, don't, don't, call me, don't call me that, man. Um, I said, because that's not what I am. They said, no, no, you are. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm just Eddie, man. And, um, but I knew what God was calling me to do. And, but, and so I would tell people not to get caught up in titles or positions, but to, to just serve the Lord and, and be obedient to him. And you know, when, when you're obedient to God, when God calls you, um, God will confirm that calling with man. You know, uh, I remember, you know, uh, in ministry, I, I, I wasn't ordained as a pastor until the year before I was leaving. And uh, I remember there was a time where, where Steve West and, uh, and, and Wade O'Neill were ordained, and someone pulled me aside and they said, hey, man, aren't, aren't you bummed? Like, those guys were kind of newer dudes you know, in the ministry than you, and, and they got ordained before you did it. And I remember telling them, I said, man, obviously you don't know me very well because I, I just so happen to love Steve and I love Wade, and I was happy to see God using them and calling for that capacity. And I just said, but I didn't need that. I just knew who God would call them to be, and I was just going to do it. But over the course of time, God confirmed through my pastor that, they, that, that I was doing what God called me to do. It. And I have some piece of paper somewhere. It's in the filing cabinet somewhere. I don't know where it's in that because I don't, I don't need it. And I, I would tell any, any young person or any person who has a desire to serve the Lord to just serve God, that, that you don't need a piece of paper, to just, to just be obedient to the call of the Lord in their life and let him do the work. And, and, uh, and if, if they feel they need the confirmation from man, that in time with obedience, God will bring that confirmation. Wow. Eddie, you know, I just want to say something personal to you directly from myself. Uh, you, you share these things. I know, I know they're basic truth to you, but they, they almost put a knot in my throat, bro, because you were there specifically at a time in my life when God was humbling me. And God even had to use you to deliver uh, a message when I was asked to step down. And, and at the time I was racking my brain because I needed approval from people so badly. And I couldn't seem to figure out if there was something that I had done wrong. I, I, I searched everything that I could possibly find to, to, to pinpoint what it was. But you know, Eddie, when I look back at the, at the man that I was at that point in my life, and the talents were there, and, and the anointing, and the calling even was there. But you know what? The character and what God does through humility and through through taking you through your own season of wilderness, it is a it is an amazing thing to sit here and do an interview with you, and to listen to you talk and to see how there's things that you've said maybe even a hundred times before, but there's so much more impact coming from them coming from them right now in your life and, and the reason why i believe that's true is because it was it isn't regurgitated truth that you heard somebody say it's like it's like watching a man i mean particularly bro when you talked about how in the back of your mind if you were just being honest that you thought you were going to do something great you know i i i do that hit me so hard because i remember so clearly and and, and you know i'm not going to say shame on people but there were 
there were almost too many people that came along and, hey, man, you're going to do something huge or, you know, you're going to do something great. But you know what? That wasn't the Lord's voice, dude. The Lord's voice was always humble yourself. And I can't thank God enough that my pastors and that the people who were overseers and you included were more in tune with his voice than anything else or any display or any talent that, you know, that could be seen outwardly. And uh, at that time, man, that was so tough for me. And you delivered it so graciously. I remember sitting in, in my van, you, you asked me to give you a ride home. And I remember sitting in the van there and, and I, was, I was so sad, bro. But you were so gracious to me. You're so loving to me. Dude. Thank you. Thank you for that. Dude. And at this point, just, just briefly to let you know, man, like I went on to become assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Hollywood. And that was awesome, dude. And there's some cool things that happened. But the Lord removed me from there, dude. And my dad, whose health is declining, he just reached me one day and said that he was falling away from the Lord. And he was like, I just wish that you had more time like the way you did when you were younger. Come and just share the word with me. And that hit me so deeply between the eyes, bro, that I knew that I had already up until that point been fighting the Lord to try to hang on to something that I wanted to do. And the Lord was so clearly telling me that that was super important. And for the last year now, I've been teaching my dad a Bible study every single week. And I'm, right. I have no title over my name and I'm not assistant pastor anywhere. And I'm, I'm a work, I'm a construction worker. But Rad, dude. Yeah, but I'm blessed, dude, to to help sell out with this. And I'm blessed to be able to hear from guys like you. And most of all, I'm blessed that I, I'm under the Lord's grace and mercy in my life, bro. And, and you're, dude, you're just talking with you and hearing your story, dude. It hits so home with me, man. And I just know that other people who are going to watch this, particularly people who have callings in their lives, bro, they're going to be ministered to God. Well, praise God, bro. Praise God, man. Man, I, I, I got to wrap, Eddie. I think, uh, gosh, you, that, that last part for me really hit home. Thank you so much for sharing, Eddie. Uh, know that I, I love you. Know that we're praying for you over there. Uh, in fact, if, if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to pray for you right now. Yeah, I'd love that, brother. Thank All you. Right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity, Lord, to, to fellowship, to talk about, Father, what you're taking us through. Father, we, we lift up Eddie to you. I pray, Father, that you would continue to give him discernment, so much discernment, Father, so much wisdom, and that he would be able to teach, Lord God, what you've been teaching him to his flock, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would add to, Lord God, Calvary Chapel Brazos, as you would see fit, Father, that you would bring people alongside Eddie to lift up his arms, Father. May he continue to stay humble as he is, Father. Continue to, Lord God, fill him with uh, confirmation, Lord God, and encouragement, Lord God, when we have those seasons of doubt, Father. I pray that you would, Lord, just continue to bless his family, Lord God. Bless Sherry and, and his children, Father. I pray that for a, a hedge of protection, around them, Father, that they would be raised in, in the Lord mightily, Father, and that you would use that family unit, Father, as a powerful weapon in your kingdom, Lord God. And would you use, Father, his church to start other families to do the same. We thank you for your knowledge, for your wisdom. I pray that you could use it, Father, in our lives and others. 
this uh, this podcast, Father, bless uh, the ministries we're involved with. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Sorry, I muted my microphone. My boys are. <laughs> you're kidding. You're kidding. Thank you so much, Eddie. Uh, we love you, brother. It's good. I to love see you guys that. more, man. Uh, Stella, I, I enjoy. I, we we had, our churches were named the same for a short while. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Really? Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So we we were originally called Redeemed Church uh, when I first came out here. No so, way. Yeah, dude. So when I when I saw your church, I was like, cool, man. Your logo is way cooler than ours. <laughs> that's all Chachi because Chachi designed it but I, I like your, yours dude I was like super, I know we're wrapping up dude but when, when you guys had Scott on dude I was dying bro because like uh, I, for, I, I think Sally I think you were being so gracious trying to like not say his name and like I think I, I think it was you Mike you're like <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he's been hitting me up directly, bro. Like ever since that day, he must have watched it. He's like, dude, he's hitting me up on Instagram. Give me your number, dude. I lost it along the way, and all the any music I'm doing. And but I love that guy, dude. I love him. He's a great guy. Well, Lord willing, guys. I mean, we had every intention of being out there, um, you know, actually in June, but obviously for the the conference, I was going to be at Golden Springs, but. Um, as soon as we can, we want to get out there. I can't wait, man, to see you guys in person. I got three little wild rugrats, you know, that, that uh, are, are crazy, man. But um, we, we want to get out there to California to see you guys. I miss you guys, man. So, um, yeah, we'll be praying. Mike, I love the ministry you do, man. Praise God for that. We'll be praying for your dad. Thank you. And, and Sal, Redeemed Church, bro, we'll be praying for you guys, man. I, I love it, dude. Keep, keep just serving the Lord, man. It's rad, dude, to see what is, what is transpiring through your life, man. It's so cool, dude. Thank and you. you get married, bro. Oh, yeah. I know. That's another really exciting one. Um, Congratulations. I love how the kids popping up. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> this, is the, this is the best ending right here. 